As promised, I am thrilled to announce that our tickets for Australian True Crime Live are now available. Join me in Sydney, Brisbane and or Melbourne this July. You can come to all three if you want. These tickets are expected to go very quickly, so be sure to secure yours by visiting the link in our podcast bio or you can head over to the Australian True Crime Facebook page. There'll be a nice link there for you. Update for Brisbane Australian True Crime fans. Brisbane is almost fully sold out for our live show. If you've been a listener for any length of time, you'll know how passionate I am about true crime stories from Australia. I'm looking very forward to an incredible evening together with you, sharing these captivating tales. We will have great guests as well, so, you know, we love a Q&A. If you've ever come along to an Australian true crime live gig, you'll know we love a Q&A with our guests. Don't miss out. Book your tickets today, and I'll see you in July for a memorable night out. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This is a true crime podcast, as the title suggests. So please consider this your warning, that it's not suitable for children. And it probably will contain content that may be triggering to some people. Also, it's an Australian true crime podcast. So Australian Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander listeners should be aware it may contain the voices of deceased people. The producers of this podcast recognise the traditional owners of the land on which it's recorded. They pay respect to the Aboriginal elders past, present and those emerging. I'd just like to say um, today is a day of justice. It's a day of justice for those brave men of the SAS who stood up and told the truth about 
who Ben Robert Smith is, a war criminal, a bully and a liar. Today is a day of some small justice for the Afghan victims of Ben Robert Smith. I think it was a great call back in June 2018 to run that story. Uh, I think it will go down in the history of the news business as one of the great calls. That's Nick McKenzie and Chris Masters speaking on the steps of the federal court last week. Just moments earlier, Justice Anthony Bozenko dismissed the defamation case brought against them and the news outlets that ran their stories about former SAS soldier Ben Roberts Smith. The case was dismissed because Justice Bozenko found that the reporting of those journalists had established the truth of most of the accusations contained in their stories, including the most serious claims that Ben Robert Smith committed war crimes during his deployments in Afghanistan. It's just the latest skirmish in a war Robert Smith has been waging since 2016. But it was early in 2018 when the first series of articles was published in The Age, The Sydney Morning Herald and The Canberra Times, alleging war crimes had been committed in Afghanistan by a small group of rogue SAS soldiers led by one man. In the first dispatch, none of the alleged offenders were named, but the ringleader was referred to as Leonidas. It seemed a strangely flamboyant choice of pseudonym to me as a reader at the time, but I didn't know who the stories were about. The thing is that lots of people around Australia did realise that the sensational stories in the newspapers were about Ben Robert Smith, who was by then quite a rich, famous and well-connected civilian. And he was working his way up the executive ranks of the media industry thanks to his close friendship with television and publishing tycoon Kerry Stokes. So when those journalists decided to run another series of stories about him in August of 2018, they made the decision to go ahead and name him. Ben Robert Smith responded by launching defamation proceedings against the three journalists and the media companies that own the publications in which the allegations appeared. His legal fees were being covered by his boss, Kerry Stokes, who was clearly just as emotionally invested in the fight. Stokes is a passionate supporter of the Australian Defence Force. In November of 2018, the Australian Federal Police launched an official investigation into allegations of war crimes committed by Australian soldiers in Afghanistan. The investigation into the conduct of Ben Robert Smith specifically was said at the time to be one of the most secretive in the nation and the most serious inquiry ever conducted by Australian police into alleged war crimes. We're now five years down the track from the beginning of that defamation trial and the once invincible warrior is defeated. I don't know a lot about mythical battles, but watching Nick McKenzie speak on the steps of the federal court last week, I couldn't help but think of David and Goliath. Nick was pale, shaken and he looked like he wasn't quite sure if he was dreaming. Emily and I zoomed with Nick yesterday. He's at home with COVID now, would you believe? But he rallied to reflect with us on the last five years. Oh, it's been absolutely yeah, exhausting. I've never felt so tired. And I think what would surprise me was after the case verdict came out, I, I was expecting more of a sense. I mean, there's sheer relief, but I thought there'd be a bit more like internal peace. But it wasn't the case. It's, and I think it's just the, you've been in fight and flight mode for such a long time that you don't really know how to exit it. And so it's just about trying to calm down now. What keeps popping into my mind is had we lost, just imagine the blowback. You know, we were going to make history one way or the other. Uh, it was every chance we'd make history as, you know, the most rotten journalists in the, in the land. Uh, thankfully, uh, the truth won. Uh, but until the judge uttered those words, honestly, like, yeah, I was hyperventilating in court. 
and lots of things did go wrong. I mean, behind the scenes, the amount of near catastrophic misses was uh, was immense. I, I've just written a, a book, and I, I'm, I really go into lots of those behind the scenes ups and downs, and and you know, some of the terrifying moments, and some of the the sheer relief moments as well. I'm glad you said you've written a book because I was just about to say you should write a book. You should, you <laughs> yeah. know, and maybe that will help kind of exercise it all as well. Get it out. I, I pre-ordered it, Nick. Oh, great! What's it called? It's called Crossing the Line, published by Hachette. I, I can tell you some of our key witnesses, the fight to get them into court was beyond belief. And if not for a few really, I mean, you know, COVID lockdowns um, have had a terrible impact on many people. But I can tell you this, the COVID delays caused, uh, in this case, saved our bacon because witnesses who weren't going to come over those many months of delays, their life circumstances changed. But even when they came, and our most important witness, I just still, to this day, the hairs on the back of my neck stick up thinking about it. Has he flown into, into the state? Yes, he's here. Okay, he's, he's in Sydney from Perth. Is he in the court precinct? Yep, he's here. Uh, he's been driven up through by the Defence Department and through the underground car park. Yep, how's he feeling? Okay, looks okay. You see him walk into court you know, for the first time and we, I'm watching him. All our lawyers, you can tell how tense they are. There is not a sound in the court. And we don't know whether this guy is going to lie to protect Robert Smith, you know, his brother soldier. You know, these guys have been best mates. They've drunk together. They've fought together. Is he going to lie and and destroy our case or will he tell the truth? And yeah, it, t- it takes 40 minutes of testimony leading through the, the part of a, of a key mission where it finally gets to the key part of it. And as he starts to to tell the truth about how a, a man was kicked off a cliff, I mean, that was... I was literally, I was covered in sweat and it was the most electrifying uh, moment of the entire court case. And the man who was kicked off the cliff, by this stage, you know a lot about this man, you know about his family, you know, he's a father, he's a he's a husband, he's a brother. Well, first and foremost, and I was talking to a, a, a commando just the other day about this, you know, he, he said to me, I, I, I always try to remember that you know, Afghans are humans. And it sounds like an odd thing to say, because of course they are. But you know, war being what it is, soldiers become desensitised. And ultimately, I think as well, it's really hard for Australians, we live on the other side of the world, Afghanistan's a world away, to connect to someone who's died the most horrific and unjust death. But you know, who are they? What is their story? And it's why we, you know, it's why I went to Afghanistan is to meet Ali Jan's family. And it's why I said his name outside court. You know, his name was Ali Jan. He had a bunch of kids. He had a wife called Bibi. Yeah, you know, I, I met his kids and I can tell you, I mean, they, they look, they're just like my kids. They're running around giggling and, and except they, you know, they look a hell of a lot poorer and they, they live vastly harder lives. And the other difference, of course, is they don't have a dad. So you know, Ali Jan wasn't a, there was no, it wasn't like he was a Taliban who was taken prisoner and executed, that, which is, of course, wrong. You cannot execute any prisoners for obvious reasons. But he was just a civilian. He was a father who went into town to get some shoes for his daughter, get some flour, and he was going to go back to his house. And he was picked up in an SAS raid, wrong place, wrong time. He smiled at Ben Robert Smith at the wrong time after he was detained. And probably, why did he smile? Well, nobody knows, but you know, he's a civilian. He's thinking, what the hell is going on here? And the questions that he's being asked, are you Taliban? He's, he's laughing because it's ridiculous. His hands are, his hands are bound, he's handcuffed. It's that laugh, it's that smile, which according to the evidence we gained, prompts him 
to be kicked off the cliff by Robert Smith and then dra- dragged under a tree and, and executed. And I mean, the other critical thing to say is if you go and you kick a bloke off a cliff who's a civilian, I can tell you this, it is so counterproductive to your mission because everyone in the village who watches that, the next time Australian soldiers sweep to your village, God Almighty, you're not going to be helping them. You're not going to be giving them any help or, or, or intelligence. And you know what? If you're a young man and you watch that happen, do you become radicalised yourself? I mean, they're creating Taliban by doing engaging in the acts that the Taliban themselves engage in. And Ben Robert Smith's in the vast minority. There's only him and his little band of rogues that, that went rogue. Most soldiers of the SAS and the commandos, they actually served with distinction and honourably, and we can be proud of them. But more than that, those witnesses in the SAS who came and told the truth and those persons in the SAS who became our confidential sources, you know, they displayed huge physical bravery by deploying to Afghanistan, putting their lives on the line day in, day out. And they displayed massive moral courage by coming and telling the truth in court, despite the code of the SAS being to keep everything in-house. For them to break through that and tell the truth was, was simply immense. My stress doing a tough job is, is one is one hundredth of what some of these guys have endured. And I can see the moral trauma that, that the men of the SAS who witnessed war crimes, who participated in war crimes because they were forced to, this will haunt them for the rest of their days. And what, you know, a, a guy in the, in the SAS, a patrol commander, a tough, a tough bastard, tough as nails, you know, known as a hard man. But he said to his guys, don't be that guy in the field of war, you know, who executes a civilian or a prisoner. Don't be that guy because it'll haunt you for the rest of your days. And, you know, you'll, you'll be a grandparent and you'll be crying into your whiskey at night. Don't be that guy. We'll be back with Nick McKenzie after the break. And there is a link in the show notes to this episode to help you pre-order his book, Crossing the Line, the story of the fight to expose one of the greatest military scandals in Australian history. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. We must travel back to the increasingly dark deployments of the Australian SAS in Afghanistan between 2009 and 2012. Photos of raucous dress-up parties, where, among the AFL jerseys and VB t-shirts, we can see a soldier with a Ku Klux Klan costume. And it's not a bedsheet, it's been carefully and professionally monogrammed with the words Red Dragon KKK. His look is completed with a burning cross and a noose. There are many other photos of soldiers drinking beer from the prosthetic leg of a man they'd killed. In one of them, Ben Robert Smith stands behind the drinker, smiling broadly for the camera, and pumping the air victoriously. These images were stored on a series of USB sticks along with videos and classified documents and placed in a children's lunchbox by Ben Robert Smith, who then buried them in his backyard. He did that in 2016, two years before the stories written by Nick McKenzie and Chris Masters were published. Why? Because that's when the Australian Defence Force secretly launched its own inquiry into allegations of war crimes in Afghanistan. That inquiry would become known as the Brereton Report, and the man leading it, Inspector General Paul Brereton, had ordered that the SAS soldiers who'd been based at Tarrant so instead, the lunchbox in the backyard. That's according to an affidavit filed as part of the defamation proceedings on behalf of Robert Smith's former wife, Emma Roberts. She went on to say that she and a friend subsequently dug up the aforementioned lunchbox and handed it and its contents over to investigators, in 2020. If Robert Smith hadn't blooded young soldiers, we probably never would have found out about what had happened in Afghanistan under his watch, uh, what he did, and we never would have won our case. And so just to explain what blooding is, it's it's getting a, a young soldier to get their first kill by executing a prisoner or civilian. And yeah, we came to realise what it was was about making sure you had dirt on someone. All right, you're going to run with Robert Smith's patrol. It's a dirty patrol. We're going to get blood on your hands. And so you'll never, ever be able to rat on any of us. I actually find it pretty terrifying. That he's a, the psychopathy of Ben Robert Smith. People in the military say that he's like, he's like the Lance Armstrong of the military. You know, a bloke who, having been caught lying, doubles down in his lies over and over and over again, whatever the human cost and the human wreckage he leaves in his wake. But as dark as this story is, I mean, I want to keep saying this, is, you know, I think there has been redemption because soldiers confronted that darkness and, and they, they told the truth and they said, this is not what it is to be an Australian. It's not what it is to be in the SAS. And as, no matter how rich and powerful and well-backed Ben Robert Smith is, and, and no matter the threats he's, he's sending to me and my family, I will stand up and tell the truth because that's the way to restore the honour of the regiment. The PTSD that you'll now live with, I mean, what sort of insight has this process, the reporting of it, the men that you've gotten to know and their partners, the men and women, the families you've gotten to know both here and in Afghanistan, and now the process that you've been through, 
what sort of insight has it given you? I just as you asked that, I could actually feel like my, uh, myself um, get very emotional. Mm. Uh, you know, none of my experience is anywhere near the trauma suffered by those who've served and gone to war and then have had to have deal with this in back in court. The other person to acknowledge, well, listen, all the witnesses copped it. You know, the cross-examination's a horrible place to be. They all copped it. A person called Person 17, a victim of, of domestic violence, now a core part of um, her allegation, what we reported, that she was punched, was was not found to be true according to the evidence given to the court. It didn't reach the evidential standard, but it was found to be contextually true. So Robert Smith's case that it, that it wasn't true was thrown out. The judge, however, also found... That person 17 you know, was subject to coercive, controlling, intimidating and appalling behaviour by Robert Smith. Threats, violent threats, you know, burn down your house sort of threats. She withstood absolute barrage in the box, person 17, with, with courage. You know, and, and that, that's to be remembered as well. Ben Robert Smith's ex-wife took the box and was absolutely hammered and withstood it with grace and courage. In the feedback I've got after the stories, the war crimes dominated the the case. Lots of people are are, are proud of the soldiers who testified. There's lots of people who are very angry at me still. I'm still copying lots of death threats for daring to question Robert Smith even now. But then it's, it's, you know, largely lots of women who have emailed me and, and contacted about Person 17 to say she's brave, she's courageous, and we acknowledge her truth telling. The fact that women get that and um, and perhaps men are more interested in the field of war, whatever the case, I'm not sure. But you know, lots of people have been through hell. And I just look at it, it's, it's the roadkill that Robert Smith has left in his wake. Never has one man caused so much destruction uh, in Afghanistan, in Australia. Uh, and all because he wanted you know, he wanted to be the man, um, wanted to be the biggest, baddest, most famous, wealthiest soldier and business person. Let's not forget he was working for, for Seven West Media as a senior executive going around. Yeah. And he almost made it. He almost pulled it off. Look, the interesting part is this was a defamation case. You know, we have to remember that. It wasn't a criminal case. Why did he bring this case about? I mean, it was always going to bring out all of these accusations and just publicise them. So I've never understood why, why this case ever happened, really. Do you think that he thought if he could win this case, it would make criminal prosecution less likely? The question you ask is like the one of the questions. Like I still ask myself the same thing every day. Had he not sued us, our stories about him would have been a footnote that no one would have ever remembered. And, you know, in in writing the book about him, I did a lot of research, spoke to a lot of people very close to him and tried to, uh, uh, what possesses a man when they know they've committed uh, shocking executions to go to court? It's like the most insane poker play you could imagine. You know, the, the biggest bluff. Someone who's observed Robert Smith really closely, the two comments, and I, I tease out both of them as I sort of draw the character profile of him in the, in the book. Number one, it's a simple thing. They said, Robert Smith's always been a winner. Uh, son of a Supreme Court judge, best private schools, joins the SAS, receives the Victoria Cross, Medal for Gallantry, becomes a national icon, becomes extremely wealthy, has the backing of Kerry Stokes. He was all, no one had ever said no to him. So the idea that a couple of, you know, shitbag journos would dare challenge him and then the court system was not going to hold him to account. He was Ben Robert Smith. So this idea that he was above reproach, always a winner, and then what does that sort of 
you know, point two is this, this idea of narcissism. The other critical thing I, I learned that he said, he said, and this is uh, well back, I'm going to be famous or infamous. And it was as if he didn't mind being either. And again, this is narcissism. This is someone who wants to be spoken about almost regardless of, of what's being said. So I, I think it was this idea that he could actually, with by sheer force of personality, create this court storm and stare everybody down. No one would have the guts to take him on. He'd always won. He was going to win again. I mean, the arrogance in doing what he's done and ultimately, I mean, the other point you make, had he won the case, would he have been prosecuted? No. I think there's no way our prosecutors in Australia would have ever taken him on had he defeated us. The victory would have been so huge and it would have been a real warning to prosecutors in the criminal arena. This guy's won once in the civil courts, you know, go after him at your peril. Now think about this. All this evidence that was hidden in the various war crimes inquiries, which prosecutors, which investigators can't get at because it's it's all behind closed doors. The, the Brereton inquiry used special powers to get inf- information about Robert Smith. Those powers mean that information sometimes can never be used. Robert Smith's forced it all into court, on the public record, on oath. He's got himself and his co-accused, because his little band of brothers who lied for him are co-accused in some cases. He got them all to commit to detailed stories on oath. And he forced all our witnesses into the stand on oath, who've now given visceral, in-detail accounts of his war crimes. That evidence is now where it once was hidden in the public domain, where it can be used to inform future investigations. What an own goal. Like, I think... You know, we'll, we'll read about this. Lawyers will read about this in 100 years about how to advise your client about protecting their interests. But I think when it comes to Robert Smith, you can't protect the man against himself. Do you think he'll appeal? I, I don't know whether he'll appeal or, or not. Um, you know, we would welcome an appeal. Uh, a, a superior court could weigh the facts that Justice Pasenko has weighed and, and would, would reach its own conclusion. Um, that's justice working and that's the, that's the system. Ben Robert Smith won't give up. You know, we know this about him. He is aggressive. He will bend the law to his will. He will do whatever it takes to get away with his crimes and he'll blame everyone but himself. And I'm sure he's doing that right now. I'm sure he hasn't given a moment's thought to any of the soldiers he put through the ringer who testified against him. I'm sure he hasn't given a moment's thought to those young blokes he blooded. And I'm sure he doesn't give two hoots about Ali Jan's kids. And that's all you need to know about Ben Robert Smith. Thank you to our guest today, journalist Nick McKenzie. And don't forget to check out the show notes to this episode and our social media to pre-order your copy of his book, Crossing the Line, the story of the fight to expose one of the greatest military scandals in Australian history. If you need support after listening to this podcast, you can call Lifeline on 13 11 14 or contact 1800 RESPECT on 1800 737 732 or 1800respect.org.au. Indigenous Australians can contact 13 Yarn on 139276 or 13yarn.org.au. Thank you for downloading this episode of Australian True Crime. We'll be back next week. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. As promised, I am thrilled to announce that our tickets for Australian True Crime Live are now available. Join me in Sydney, Brisbane and or Melbourne this July. You can come to all three if you want. These tickets are expected to go very quickly, so be sure to secure yours by visiting the link in our podcast bio or you can head over to the Australian True Crime Facebook page. There'll be a nice link there for you. Update for Brisbane Australian True Crime fans. Brisbane is almost fully sold out for our live show. If you've been a listener for any length of time, you'll know how passionate I am about true crime stories from Australia. I'm looking very forward to an incredible evening together with you, sharing these captivating tales. We will have great guests as well, so, you know, we love a Q&A. If you've ever come along to an Australian true crime live gig, you'll know we love a Q&A with our guests. Don't miss out. Book your tickets today, and I'll see you in July for a memorable night out.